Now, who here loves taking vacations? I know I do. Um, I think about Don Kearley right now, who's uh, leading midpoints, and uh, he just got back from Hawaii, so, and he's got a nice tan going. But when I think of vacations, I think about these two to three week long driving vacations. I went with, with my parents and my sisters when I was a kid. Two to three weeks long, it was entertaining for my parents, to say the least. But we would load up in the Honda Odyssey family minivan, and we went on these long road trips across the country. We went to Florida and back. We went to Niagara Falls and back. And we, for the longest one, we went to San Diego and back. Now, it's a miracle that we're all still here today, but uh, it was a pleasant time, all things considered, and I am impressed that my parents were able to put up with us three kids for that long. Looking back on them, though, these trips were remarkable for me to go on and helped shape my life at a young age and gave me a view of a world much bigger than myself. I wish I paid more attention to the places that I went along the way. And that's what you and I have been doing these past six weeks here at Emmanuel. We've taken a look in this sermon series, The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi, like little vacations to some of the places of the biblical story. We've learned more about their significance, their meaning. We've looked at Bethlehem and the Christmas story through Jewish eyes. We've taken a trip to Cana and Galilee and the wedding there and saw how Jesus provided celebration and not judgment. We've explored the ministry headquarters of Capernaum and Jesus' radical teachings on forgiveness. We've sat at the shores of the Sea of Galilee and joined Peter in unburdening ourselves at the feet of Jesus. We've ascended Mount Moriah, watching Abraham demonstrate his faith in God's provision. And now, to close the series today, we don't just have one location, but three. So bear with the new associate pastor as he talks for a while, and I hope you have nothing else planned today. I'm kidding. We have three locations where God chose to interact with his people. Eden, Jerusalem, and the New Jerusalem. Do you ever wonder what the original creation was like? If you read the first few chapters of the Bible, the creation accounts, there's an order to it all. At the end of six days of creating, God took the dust of the ground and formed Adam and placed him in Eden with his wife Eve. This was a remarkable place that was worth protecting. After all, a man protects what he loves. And Adam had a lot to love. He lived in perfect communion with God. He had the perfect woman with him. And he had a pretty sweet job, too. Now, Eden was a perfect garden. The garden was made for him to tend and to keep 
Could you imagine working and cultivating a perfect garden? Now, how many of you here like to garden or have some sort of farming background? Now, I do enjoy gardening, but I'll be honest. Uh, this Working the ground, it can be really hard work. You till and you fertilize the soil. You water the plants. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. You care for it. You nurture it. You protect it from pests and weeds. There is a genuine beauty in watching something grow. That was Adam's job, his calling. I can't even begin to imagine how great that was. Anything that he planted grew perfectly. He lived in harmony with God. He had the crown jewel of creation as his wife to love and to cherish. Adam had every good thing that we could possibly imagine. It's hard to imagine what lengths a, what a man might go to to protect this perfect paradise. However, failing to protect this paradise was exactly his sin. Now, in the Christian church, Eve often gets a bad reputation. After all, she was the one who listened to the serpent. She was the one who ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil first. But where was Adam during this interaction? When the serpent was speaking to his wife. Here again, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. All that Adam did was stand by as he watched the embodiment of evil deceive the one he loved the most. His role was that of a protector, a guardian to both God's creation and his wife Eve. He was called to be her safeguard. Just as he was entrusted to care for the garden. Yes, Eve ate of the tree, but Adam failed to act when confronted with evil. Adam failed to protect Eve. He failed to protect that which he loved. In the aftermath of that choice, Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, and all mankind groans, even still today, as you and I feel in a desert of sin. It's why we experience so much brokenness, despair, and trouble. It's why we struggle to protect and care those we love and care about. It's why we are also ultimately doomed to die. As our second reading for today says, for as in Adam, all die. Due to one man's sin of failing to protect what he loved, we experience sin, brokenness, and ultimately death. We needed a new man, the man, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our King. And at the, and at the end of his three-year ministry, 
came to quite the city, Jerusalem, which is our second location for today. Now, Jerusalem is an ancient city. It's been the seat of authority for the Jewish people, dating all the way back to the Old Testament king, David. He established a royal residence there, and his son Solomon built a temple there to God. This was the city where God chose to interact with his people, his creation, just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. But the foundations that had been established by David had long since faded. It was now just a small, insignificant city somewhere in the vast empire of Rome. It had been conquered after foreign power, after foreign power, after foreign power. More than this, the city had become rife with corruption. Jerusalem was an awful city. It witnessed violence, injustice, rebellion. And even though it was meant to be a city set apart as the people of God, the place where God resided with his people, it was about as far away from Eden as you can get. But that did not deter the true man. Jesus Christ from his heroic mission, the protection of his people. Jesus rescued all those who believe in him. There was but one path for him to walk, leading to his death. Even when he was tried unjustly by the Jewish authorities, even when he was beaten and whipped, even when the Roman authorities failed to act in his defense, even when crowds of people of Jerusalem were shouting for his crucifixion, even when he was nailed to a tree on a hill overlooking this broken, flawed, awful city and breathed his last, he was not deterred from his goal. He laid down his life on the cross, making payment for our sins and defeating death itself in his resurrection. He was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and proved to be the ultimate protector in his resurrection. This is because in his resurrection, Jesus has destroyed death forever. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, you and I will one day too. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, our second reading for today, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. As in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. Just as Adam brought sin and death into this world, by failing to protect what he loved, Jesus protected, he rescued the ones who love him by forgiving their sins and promising them eternal life in his holy city, in his coming kingdom. You've been rescued for a purpose. You are a citizen of the new Jerusalem, the holy city of God. As we journey throughout Scripture, as we read our Bibles, we find that the story of God's redemption doesn't end in a garden. 
the new creation, where we'll be raised from the dead, is not a garden. It's a city. Given the backdrops of cities we might know, like Jerusalem, even still today, and the conflict that wages there, or Chicago for that matter, it is crazy to think that a city could be this good. But it's true. Revelation 21 says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Imagine it. A city freed from corruption, of violence. Later in that chapter, it says that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or crying or pain, for the old order of things is passed away. You and I wait and long for the day that Christ comes again in his second coming on Judgment Day and the city becomes fully realized. But yet, in the meantime, the city endures even still today. This is because the city of God, the holy city, is wherever his people are. And this brings us to our last location for today. And it's 300 South Pathway Court, Crystal Lake, Illinois, 60014 at 10.04 a.m. While these past few weeks have been fun, we are done taking locations to different places. This is because the city of God is present right here, right now. Go ahead and turn to the person on your right. Say you're in the holy city. And the person on your left. Very good. You and I are all citizens of this city, the new Jerusalem. We all live together in the coming city of God. And as citizens in this city, we are entitled to certain promises. For G from Jesus, we receive forgiveness of sins, promised for, completed for us on the cross. And we receive the promise of eternal life in his coming kingdom. And also as citizens, we have certain responsibilities that we are to uphold. We have tasks to do. Just as Adam was called to protect his garden and his wife Eve, just as Jesus saved those who believe in him, you and I are called to live responsible to our vocations. You and I have many different vocations or callings in life. For example, I've been called to be a fiancé. He's right there. Hi, honey. Sorry for embarrassing you, but yes. Thank you. I've been called to be a son, a pastor, a brother, a godfather. My niece is adorable, by the way. A citizen of the United States. Vocations are seeing the different people in your life that are close to you or located around you and dedicating your life to serving them. It's a sacred duty and an honor we're all called to. What about you? What are some of the vocations that you've been placed into? Are you a father? Are you a mother? 
a son or a daughter, a husband or a wife? What about work? And how's your attitude to all of them? You and I are called to live sacrificial lives to those around us, just as Jesus did in his death on the cross. And what's the result of this, of us living vocational lives? We live in Christian community with each other. It's a city after all. How many of you came here because of the care and support of someone else? Maybe you were raised in the church like I was from a young age, and your parents instilled this in you from an early age. Or maybe you found God later in life. But I'm willing to bet for those of you that did, you came about it through the intentional sacrifice and care of someone else. We spend our lives in humble service to each other, striving to protect and care for one another. In community, we find strength in times of weakness, encouragement in despair, companionship in loneliness. As we bear one another's burdens and celebrate each other's joys, we embody the protection of Christ. And everything is centered around Christ our King. After all, Christ is in his last name. It means Messiah, King, the promised ruler of all. And rule he does in every part of your life. He is the king of this holy city, the new Jerusalem, which spreads its way from here across the world. He makes us all alive and have saved us from the powers of sin and death. We get to live together in regular community with one another. So let's take heart in the joyful tasks of our vocations, living sacrificially in the holy city of God.